Welcome to Bucks Insider, presented by Ticketmaster. Casey Phillips here with senior writer and editor Scott Smith. We have a bit of a rough Eagles game to break down, but then an exciting NFC South battle to look forward to this week. We have a lot to get into, but of course we wanted to start with Rondé Barber because him getting honored at halftime was definitely a bright spot yeah. of that Eagles game. <laughs> and uh, we just love a million ways to celebrate Rondé. I wish sure. there were even more celebrations and ways to We've honor had a lot him. Of We've had a lot of them. I wish there were even more. Uh, I know that we especially wanted to shout out one of his sound bites from his speech. So go ahead and take a look at this. I got to say, I, I was wondering whether I should say this, but I appreciate all these Philly fans that came down to celebrate with me in my Hall of Fame. What a great line. Had Tony Dungy laughing there. Yeah, which I love. <laughs> I love seeing Tony Dungy get tickled. But yeah, that was a that was a great line. And of course, why he wanted to be honored and why we wanted to honor him at the Eagles game. That is the notorious play. And there's nothing like irritating Eagles fans bringing that that play that he made. And, and I'd just love to hear your thoughts on, on his speech and getting to honor him and, and see him at that halftime. Well, it, it's not just that one play, although that's the biggest yes. one. He also dominated that game completely, uh, just filled up an entire stat line. But also in 2006, he had two pick sixes off of Donovan McNabb right here in this stadium. So he's he's been a thorn in their side for quite some time. And one of the one of the funny parts in that movie, if you haven't seen it, Prototype, the one that was debuted last week, you can watch it on our YouTube channel or on Buccaneers.com. And one of the funny lines in there was uh, Tiki Barber saying Philly fans would come up to him and say they hate him. And he'd be, he'd be like, you, you don't hate me. You respect me. You hate Rondé. Barber. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it was cool to see that he also he Rondé also got his uh, logo, the Hall of Fame logo next to his name in the Ring of Honor. So yeah, that definitely was a bright spot for the night. And by the way, welcome back, Casey. Thank you. Thank you. Very happy you. to be back. Very happy to be back. And uh, now I am back just in time to talk about a Saints <laughs> game, which I love and hate all at the same time. So love. I see we've just kind of skipped over that. Yeah. Game. You know, we don't need to talk a whole lot about that. <laughs> now we probably should at least uh, go into it a little bit of some some takeaways from it, and especially going into this Saints game, what do you think are the, the lessons yeah. that they learned and, and what they're going to hope well, to improve? A couple guys, including Baker Mayfield, were talking about this, and the offense just feels like they need to start faster. And there were a couple missed opportunities, as is often the case when a game goes badly like mm -hmm. that. There were some passes that uh, either Baker just missed or the receiver didn't quite haul in early on that might have changed the tenor of this game early on. Uh, but you know, it was one of those nights where you played a really good team. Now, the Buccaneers have playoff aspirations right and if they have aspirations beyond that they're going to at some point have to be able to beat a team as good as philadelphia but on this particular night philadelphia who is who are the defending nfc uh champions mm -hmm. uh and are just kind of loaded especially in the trenches mm -hmm. they kind of outplayed the bucks and yep. they especially outplayed them in the trenches and the bucks essentially in the end couldn't stop the run game which was a problem all night was but was particularly a problem after the Bucks had that really nice drive with Mike Evans had three catches including the touchdown and um, you thought okay nine minutes left two scores not a real huge possibility but let's get the ball back and see what we can do couldn't stop the run and they ran out the full nine minutes so yeah. it was one of those nights it's one we hopefully don't see again but the lesson that uh, appears that a lot of the offensive guys are taking from it is we need to start faster so we're not behind mm -hmm. and we're not in that situation yep that makes a lot of sense so now going into this Saints game we know anytime you play a division opponent it's important anytime you play the Saints it's important but right now as early as it is in the season this feels like a very important one in terms of this battle for 
the NFC South. It really and, does. Yeah, so what is kind of at stake here? Where do we stand in the division, yeah. and, and what would a win mean? Well, all three of the Bucks, the uh, Falcons, and the Saints are 2-1. and one. All three of them won their first two games and are coming off losses in week three. And I think from what we've seen in the first three weeks of the season, maybe Carolina gets back into it if they get a, their quarterback situation gets a little bit better. But they're 0-3, so I'm not totally counting them out. But right now, it looks like a three-team race that I suspect will stay, stay tight the entire way. But the Buccaneers' schedule is really, really backloaded in their division games. I think six of their last or five of their last seven games are against the, those Falcons, Saints, and Panthers. And so this is one early opportunity to get that. A division, it wins a win, every game's important, but a division win almost feels like a double win because you're knocking the other team back. And I think those head-to-head -head battles are what's gonna make the difference in the end in this, in, in who wins this race. So early on, uh, also, uh, you can see here, there's a, uh, there's a big difference between going three and one and two and two hmm. in terms of uh, how you end up, right? Wow. You can see that, look at the difference between making the playoffs, it's, it's pretty much close to double. Wow. the percentages of making the playoffs if you're three and one. Now, this is since 1990, and for most of that time, it's been a 16-week season. You know, we're now in the third season of being 17 games. So, you know, maybe there's a little bit more leeway there, but still mm -hmm. you can see the importance of winning that third game. Yeah, that does make a big difference. Um, and it's, you know, Mike Evans is a guy that whenever you talk about playing New Orleans, <laughs> I always enjoy waiting for that matchup to see how that's going to go. And this is a guy who we already, we've talked so much about him chasing the thousand yards each year, but it also just feels like there's always other records, other things we're talking about that he is going for. And I know in particular, we've seen him, you know, get some touchdowns already this season. And that's another stat that he's moving up another all-time great Listen. Yeah, he's he essentially moves up a, another plateau every time he catches another touchdown pass, and he's had one in every game this season, uh, which is a great start. It's the second time in his career he's had a touchdown in each of the first three games of the season, and um, he, he now moved up to tied for 21st in the NFL. We did this graphic last week, so we didn't want to bring it back again, but every time he moves up, he gets one more touchdown, he moves up. So he's like tied for 21st now, but he gets his next one, he'll be like 17th, and he gets the next one, he'll be like 14th. So yeah. he's getting pretty close. He, to get into the top 10 all time in the NFL in touchdown receptions, he would need to get to 100, and he's at 84 now. And the pace he's on, assuming he plays three or four more years, maybe yeah. he wants to do more. I'm just yeah. being conservative here. Mm -hmm. I think there's a really good shot. He gets to 100, and we've said it before, I mean, the yardage that he has, the the record for hundred or thousand yard seasons, hundred touchdowns. I don't see how he doesn't get in the Hall of Fame at that point. Yeah, that's <coughs> going to be incredible to see. And I mean, it is even when he has an off game for him this last week, he still gets a touchdown, still gets sixty yards, and he is still very much on pace for another thousand yard oh, he's season. Well ahead, well of, ahead of the right pace, now. which yeah. is uh, great to see. All right, and so um, obviously one of the big storylines going into this game is injuries, and it's so funny because I remember we all were so upset that the bye week was so early this year. But there's already enough injuries that I'm like, you know what? Kind of works out. Kind of works out in some ways, especially when it comes to your defense. So give us a little update on injuries and where we stand. And as of the time that we're recording this, we've only gotten one injury report yeah. to this point. And usually by Thursday morning, we have one at least kind of telling injury report. But in this case, the Buccaneers did a walkthrough yesterday. I think this is pretty common procedure after a Monday game. It's a short week. You don't really want to run your guys too much. So they held a walkthrough in the indoor, indoor facility. And since guys weren't running full speed, you don't really have an actual practice status. So you estimate the practice status. Would this guy have practiced? And um, Carlton Davis was estimated as he would have been limited, which is a very good step forward. That's what we need to see from him. 
I think the arrow is pointing up for Carlton Davis playing, which is good because Jamel Dean, coach called him iffy yesterday for the game this week. And he was listed as a would not have participated. And also just out of the blue, Derek Pitts, the rookie corner who, who got a little playing time in this last game, he also has a hamstring injury and would not have practiced. So you're getting a little bit thin there to the point where uh, there are reports that the Buccaneers have worked out some veteran cornerbacks that are out there on the street. And Coach uh, Bowles did say that potentially given how, depending on how this week goes, they might have to sign another corner. So you're a little, you know, a little getting yeah. a little thin there, which is, which is concerning. Yeah. Uh, and then Kalijah Kansi, everybody wants to know when he's going to be back from his calf injury. Uh, he would not have practiced either. Uh, nobody has said this is just conjecture on my part completely, but I wonder if the idea is sit him out one more week and then he got bye week and and maybe he'll be better then because calf this calf strain is kind of like a hamstring Mm -hmm. we've probably talked about it before yeah and if you've ever had one you know it's hard to know when you're back Mm -hmm. because walking around you feel fine and then you start to run and you tweak it and uh, now i got three more weeks restarted it yeah that would make sense so now facing the saints of course originally we thought it was going to be Derek carr and Mm -hmm. then instead it's looking like potentially they haven't made any announcements yet but it's looking more like it's going to be our old pal Jameis that Mm -hmm. everyone is so familiar with here. And, um, you know, we talked about these injuries, especially to your secondary, and they've got Chris Olave, and they've got Rashid Shaheed, they've got Michael Thomas. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is quite a game to be down some DBs. Um, Based on whether or not it's Derek Carr or Jameis, how do you see that kind of changing the game? How do you see that kind of changing what the Saints might do, how we try to cover it, and especially knowing, again, so many of our injuries are on the defensive side of the ball? They have called Derek week to week, which to me, that when you talk about coach speak, to me that means he's probably not going to play this week. If you think he has a chance of playing this week, usually it's day to day, right? Um, so I would fully expect it to be Jameis. You know, Jameis likes to air it out. I mean, last year when we played that game against him, we'll talk about that a little bit, but um, Olave was only in like his second game ever, and he's proved to be in a, a really good draft pick for them. He's a great receiver. He tried to hit Olave downfield like five times. It didn't really work out, but he was trying. So. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, thinned out secondary will not be great against uh, against uh, Jameis trying to air it out against uh, you know to Olave and others. Yeah. But but on the other hand, if you remember that game, it was a weird game. It was three zero at halftime. It was three three late in the third quarter, and then the Buccaneers got five turnovers on a, on a span of six drives, including yeah. three interceptions off Jameis Winston. And you know, Jameis Winston is the all time leader in Bucks history in most passing categories, but. To you know, I'm not telling you something you know. No, no, he threw a lot of interceptions. Mm-hmm. He, he has actually done a good job of not throwing a lot of interceptions since he became a saint. But you do think if you can get him into situations where he's trying to press a little bit, maybe there's some opportunities for turnovers there. Okay. And then I know, unfortunately, of course, I looked at the schedule whenever Camara's suspension was announced. <laughs> looked at when we'd play them, yeah. and I was like. You know, that dang NFL that is so scripted. Out. You got yes. Jameis playing against us. Kamara yeah. gets to come back against us. Um, tell me how you see that impacting everything, and especially, again, as we talked about all these injuries and knowing that maybe Vita Vea wasn't 100% this last I think that's true. week and now maybe still isn't 100% this time. And he would not have practiced yesterday either, by the way. So, yeah, I think that knowing that we're a little, little banged and up. And White. Yeah, banged up between Devin and Vita. It's kind of the middle of your defense. It's kind of an important part when you're yeah. talking about defending the run. Uh, yeah. What do we see about how they're able to maybe try to stop Kamara, how he affects the game? Well, Kamara has had an amazing career. Last year, his sixth season was the first time he didn't make the Pro Bowl. So, um, he, you know, he's such a good dual threat. He, he actually may be even more dangerous as a receiver than a runner. But you can at least look at the numbers and see maybe, maybe – 
for his own reasons, or maybe the Buccaneers defense has, has figured him out a little bit, but he torched the Buccaneers in his first three seasons. As you can see there, those are incredible numbers, like 9.6 yards per reception for a running back is a huge number uh, amongst all the ones you see there. That's six games in the first set and five games in the second set. So the touchdowns have been pretty much similar, but look at the yards from scrimmage. I mean, it's less than half the, and especially the averages, his average, uh, his average per carry and his average per reception have come down precipitously against the Bucks in the last three years. I mean, who knows? I know he did some things in the offseason. He, he weirdly found out that one of his legs weighed like two or three more pounds than the other leg. What? And thought that maybe that was what was throwing him off a little bit. So he's worked on that. I mean, I don't know how much you want to put into that, but that's true. I'm not making that up. I also want to know how you figure that out. How do you weigh to, one you, leg? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, maybe he, I, I believe that Kamara has felt like this offseason he figured a few things out and, and will be back to his more explosive self. But at least the Buccaneers have had more success against him recently. And then we'll close with this. Uh, we talked a lot about our defense against their offense. What are some of the things that you you know want to see from the Bucks defense? And I know that have maybe gone well that we want to see continue, or that we need to change. I know that third down, as much as we've gotten to it, maybe more often than we would like to. But it seems like on third down, Mayfield has been able to make some things happen. What are some of those areas that you feel like you want to see continue or, or how that's been going offensively against the Saints? There wasn't a whole lot that went great offensively against the Eagles, if you look at all the numbers. But one thing that was at least on paper pretty good is they were five for 10 on third downs. And right now the Bucks third down offense is at about 45% conversion rate, which is really, really good. And that's largely because Baker Mayfield has been surprisingly good I don't mean surprisingly like I didn't expect him to be good, but just the numbers, your, your numbers are supposed to go down on third down. Mm -hmm. Baker Mayfield's numbers have gone up, and, and he's actually been the most effective passer in the NFL on third downs, which is it's just a nice place to start, right? When you're talking about his first three games as a Buccaneer, I think it's been very encouraging. And these numbers on third down, I mean, look at that. The best completion rate, the best passer rating, and critically no interceptions the one interception he's thrown this whole season was not on third down that was in the game against philly and he's just been really really effective and some of that is you know buying a little time escaping sacks that he could have been taken down and finding open guys but uh that's a really good place to start in terms of his first three games as a buccaneer all right well that's going to do it for us on this edition of bucks insider and we hope you enjoy watching that game against the saints this sunday we'll see you next time mm -hmm.